everybody. I'm so glad you're joining me today. So glad you're here. Welcome to Heartland Church. Glad you're here. Hey, go ahead and welcome all those watching online. We love you, especially some of our servicemen and women around the world. We're so glad you're tuning in with us today. And I'm glad you're here. It's the start of a brand new series called Out of the Box. And I love this time of the year, not just because it's Christmas and I've got a lot to be thankful for at Thanksgiving, but because of what we get to do together as we unleash an outpouring of compassion and generosity upon so many people in our community and around the world. And speaking of this Christmas season, Christmas is going to be here in five weeks. Can you believe that already? We're already there. I hate to tell you, 32 days till Christmas. And uh, hey, last year we had the greatest attended Christmas service in the history. It's the largest service in the history of our church. 3,996 people came to Christmas across nine services. It's the most inspiring and traditional candlelight service that we ever do. And uh, we had an opportunity to invite so many of our community to come. So I want you to get ready to partner with us and to pray with us. I'm so excited about what our team is putting together and what they're planning for. I think it's going to be the best services that we've ever had. We're going to do 10 of them around the Christmas Eve weekend. Can you believe that? 10 services. I hope some of you will join me. <laughs> I'm going to do all 10. You don't have to do all 10, but maybe you can jump in and serve with us and, you know, help us be involved. I tell you, if you'll see what God does in people's lives up close. I don't know what it is. It's, it's something about the Christmas season when God came into the world and how at that time of year, this is when he wants to come into people's hearts and if you'll just help us be a part of that and to, to give that gift to people, it's going to be the best Christmas you've ever had as you get up close and see uh, what God is doing. So join our team. Be a part of that. And uh, we're going to give you some invitations uh, after next Sunday, uh, after Thanksgiving, so you can invite people to come, your family, your friends. And I just know they're going to say yes. You've got 10 different options to choose from. So help me be a great partner with me on that. I've got this message called Second Chances I'm already working on. And I can't wait to share it with uh, you and all of your guests at Christmas. But today we're starting this brand new series called Out of the Box. If you pull out your outline, pull out your notes, just click on that button on the side if you're watching online, get the notes out, and actually flip it over to the other side where you will see the theme verse for the next five weeks. And while you're looking at that, you'll see the source list. There's some great people that I've drawn on. This is an original material. Eight years ago, Andy Stanley out of Atlanta, Georgia, gave a message series called Be Rich that has just inspired generosity all over our world, and we're a part of that. I've just been sharing those messages for years now, and it's really inspired our generosity. And then Chris Hodges out of Atlanta, Georgia, we're so excited about what God is doing there, and his insights on this particular passage were so helpful to me, especially as I come to the conclusion today. But I want to read this verse to you, and I want you to think outside the box. Let's read this together, okay? Read it with me. John, this is the words of Jesus, John chapter 14, verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, no, I mean, I mean it, like read it with me, okay, come on. <laughs> Get out of the box. Get out of your comfort zone. All right, here we go. Very truly, I tell you, whoever has faith in me will do the works I've been doing and greater things they will do. Actually, I messed that up. Let's start that over again. <laughs> Seriously, we got to read it at least twice because this is such a hard out of the verse out-of-the-box verse to even get. Think about the words you're reading. Okay, let's try this again. Very truly, I tell you, whoever has faith in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. That is an out-of-the-box thought, that you're going to do greater things. Every company, Google, Apple, Starbucks, your company, every school, every church, everybody's looking for unconventional people that have the ability to see outside the box. People who look at problems 
And they don't really see problems, they see opportunity. They've got unusual creativity. In fact, look at the definition. People who have an unusual, unconventional view of life, a perspective that's new and different. That people who don't just accept, well, this is just what is, they say, well, here's what could be, and here's what should be, and here's what ought to be. And they just have an out-of-the-box sort of mentality. Well, God wanted his children to have that mentality, that God can do beyond what we can ask or think. So we've got to change the way that we think. The scripture says in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't conform. Don't let your thinking be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then Paul would say, the same writer who wrote that would say to the Ephesian church, something that was never supposed to be divided by a chapter division. You know those chapters and verses, those numbers weren't there in the beginning. I mean, the translators, they did that to help us, to know where to find things. When Paul wrote that, it was a letter, and he has this thought that's supposed to continue. In Ephesians chapter 3, right at the end, it goes right on into verse 4. Look at, look at this verse in Ephesians chapter 3, where he's describing the love of God for you and for me that's so great that we can't even imagine. He says, you'll never get to the, to the depth of it. it. It's higher than you. It's wider than you. It's longer than you. And then he says this, now to him who is able to do, some of you know this, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think according to wishful thinking and positive thinking. No, according to his power at work within us. To him be glory in the church of Jesus Christ for all generations, even this generation right now. And then that's the end of the chapter. But he goes, this was supposed to be continuous. He was trying to say this. Now to him who is able to do an exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or imagine, and he says this. So because of that, I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling. Put up that verse right there, verse 1. Because God can do beyond what you can imagine... I mean, exceedingly abundantly above is redundant. I mean, you don't have to say all those adjectives. But he says exceedingly, like, like beyond, and then beyond again, and then even beyond into the next generation, okay? I want to do something that's so big that you can't imagine in you and through you. So now I want you to live a life worthy of that kind of a calling. God, God wants you to be great, he didn't expect you just to come here and just go through life and just suck air and sit down and do nothing. In fact, you know that's true. There's something inside of you that longs for that. Beyond the basic needs of survival, there's a need for transcendence, a need to say, I mattered. I made a difference. Like, I, I look back on my life and I did some great things that were bigger than me. And that's what, that's what the Apostle Paul was saying here. He's saying, God wants to do some really, really great, exceedingly above and beyond what you could ask or imagine. And he fails at words. He says, I don't even have the vocabulary. It's exceedingly, it's abundantly, it's above all. I mean, you could ask or imagine. To which all of us go, Darren, can you calm down just a little bit? I mean, because I get what you're saying, but I'd, we have a hard time believing that because we've settled for the box. When was the last time you were surprised by God? It's a question. When was the last time God did something that surprised you? You're called to live this worthy life, to live extraordinary lives. But we've settled for the box, for the ordinary, for the common, for what we think is possible. We have goals that are human, human possibilities, attainable. Like, here's what I think I can do with the resources I have, goals. And it's so predictable, and it's so boring. And for some of you, your Christian faith has become just like that because you know everything there is to know. 
you know all the things the Bible has to say, and you know what God says, and you know what's going to happen, and you got kind of your faith thing figured out, and you just come to church, you know they're going to sing three songs, and they're going to pray, and then they're going to do the message, and I've already figured out what Darren's three points in the outline, I filled them in already, you already know. I mean, you just know because you're so used, but when was the last time God surprised you? When was the last time you saw something that was bigger than what you could even ask? Or imagine, God wants to get you outside of this box where you have a God inside a box where you think you haven't figured out. I mean, really? Do you serve a God that can surprise you? Do you serve a God that can do things that are bigger than what you could ask or imagine? But why are we settling for this box of just mediocrity and average and normal and ordinary and boring? I was with some guys who I'm in a lead group with, and we... We climbed a mountain in Colorado this summer. You've heard about this. And we got back together a month ago. And we were having dinner, and we started talking about, okay, what's next, you know? And we started dreaming, and the, the conversation shifted to the bucket list. You guys know what a bucket list is? Like, what do you want to do before you kick the bucket? And so one of the guys said, well, I want to climb to Everest Base Camp. I'm going to do that next October. We're like, wow, three weeks in, hiking up to Everest Base Camp. Another guy talked about the places he wanted to see in Europe, but very quickly the conversation shifted beyond just things we wanted to see and places we want to go to deep desires in our souls, things we wanted to accomplish in our lifetime, and it was very stirring and very moving. One of the guys says, Darren, I want us to start 50 churches like Heartland in our lifetime together. And it blew me away because I got a lot of faith and I believe God for big things, but here's a guy that came to Christ in this church and I've been sharing and mentoring and discipling in his faith and now he's challenging me beyond, beyond what I was even thinking. I was like, wow. So I went home and I began to think like that and we started dusting off the bucket list and my wife and I have been talking. Laurie wrote some things, I wrote some things. The kids, even at college, began to write some things they wanted to do. Even my youngest wrote a little uh, bucket list and she's a sophomore and we've been talking about that and I think it's a great idea for you. I think you guys ought to do that if you haven't done it already. It's a great exercise. And I want to share with you a few things that are on my bucket list today. I'm not going to tell you all of it because it's none of your business, Mama Bit, okay? I just want to be private. I don't want you judging it or anything, okay? But some of the stuff I'll share with you today because it's really, it's really great. Like the first one, I mean, you guys know this. It's obvious. I want to be deeply in love with my wife and be pure and faithful to her the rest of my life. It's the top of my bucket list. I'm going to finish that well. And I've got some stuff about my three kids, and here's one specifically. I want all my three kids to marry someone that Lori and I deeply love and admire. I mean, I know they're going to love them, but I want to love them deeply and admire them, right? That's important. I got some places I want to travel. I want to scuba dive all the great barrier reefs of the world. I've done a few of them. I want to do them all. That's all on my list. I want to learn how to fly a plane. It's been my childhood dream to fly an aircraft. And some of you are going, oh, Jesus, Jesus, pray for my pastor. Jesus, you're praying. I want to fly a plane. I've always wanted to do that. And I don't want to just fly in a plane. I want to get in the back seat of one of those fighter jets and pull some serious G's and go up and have my face pull off. And I, I want to do that. My friend John Jenkins got to do that this summer. He sat in the back seat of the Blue Angels jet, and I'm like, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. I want to go twice the speed of sound. I want to do that. I go, I, I want to I do what Tom says. I want to see those 50 churches get started. I was inspired by that. I want to do that. I, I've, we've already planted, you know, eight churches in the last 13 years, and then you add the HSC campus and you add this church. That's 10 already. I, I'm dreaming, what if we could do 50 over my lifetime? 
And I want to see 500 leaders raised up then if we're going to start 50 churches are going to need 500, you know, leaders, pastors and worship leaders and youth pastors and administrators and all the different giftings. We've got to raise up 500 leaders that we could send out all over the world. I have no idea how we're going to do that. But, but that's why we started the ministry residency program, that, that we could give the next generation, young leaders and those, wanting to fe those feeling the call of God, they could get an accredited ministry education, hands-on, with responsibility in a multi-ethnic multi-generational church. That's the kind of leaders our world needs today, right now. And I don't know if we could do that, but I want to see that happen. I want to learn how to preach in Spanish. Como esta, my friends? I want to do that. I want to be able to, I don't know if that's possible, but I'd love to be able to preach a whole sermon in Spanish and really, I don't know, I want to do that. I want to run in a marathon. That would be a miracle, right? I want to do that, though. Notice I said run in a marathon. I didn't say anything about, like, no. I, I want to I do that. I, I want to start dream centers all over our city. I mean, strate in strategic locations, hard places where we can be that permeating presence of, of salt and light in a dark place. Social services, physical needs, uh, ministry needs, spiritual needs. I mean, medical, um, advocacy for justice, um, all kinds of things that that community would need to go in there and actually be the hands of feet and feet of Jesus and just touch the lives of people. And people would say, well, well, there's hope in this very dark place. I want to see that happen. And I want to see us give away more than a million dollars a year into our community to bless nonprofit partners and charities and ministries all over our city. I mean, listen, I don't know how that's going to happen, but I know this. Last year... In this season, we gave away $386,000 in food and cash into our community with all of our partners. That was last year. It was beyond, beyond. And when Larie and I moved here just a few years ago to start this church in our living room, we would have never even imagined that. So what can God do? I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. Half the stuff on this list, I don't even know if they can happen. They may never happen, but here's what I know. If you don't have a goal, you'll hit it every time. And failure isn't not achieving your goals. Failure is not having any goals in the first place. You know, what dreams do you have? I, wanna, I just want to stir something up inside of you today to have some great, greater things beyond you that you're going to live for. I know some of this stuff is crazy, but what about having a dream? I mean, I had a dream to take all of my children on missions trips so that, and I would be there the first time that, that they saw what I grew up with. I wanted to be there, and I've, I've achieved that dream already. I mean, I took, I wanted to be there when they saw that family living on a dollar a day the first time. I wanted to see the impact. I wanted to see what would happen, you know, when my kids saw that family that had to walk five miles just to get water out of a dirty swamp, and that's all the water they had. I wanted my kids to, to know what it's like to see a kid beg to go to school. <laughs> they couldn't go. They, 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 they couldn't afford it. It wasn't free, and they're begging for the opportunity to get an education. I wanted them to, to see that. And, you know, that dream got accomplished. I took my son Nick and Jordan to Sierra Leone. I've taken my two girls to the slums of Brazil to serve the poor. I've taken all three to Haiti. I'm taking my youngest, Jordan or Lauren, to uh, India in February. I've, I've, I've gone past that. I've taken some of your kids. I want you to experience that. Because once you get outside of the bubble and you see the rest of the world, you can't ever go back inside the box. 
You understand that God wants you to do some great things, some big things beyond what you could ask or imagine. Have a goal and have a dream, something that transcends just your normal existence to live an exceptional life. But why don't we do that? I just want to take a few minutes and just highlight why we don't get out of the box. What are the things that stifle our creativity and keep us in these, these false assumptions that just keep us locked into the normal, ordinary lives? I want you to write them down. Instead of, you know, dreaming for the extraordinary, we have mediocre small lives. What keeps us there? Number one, a wrong view of ourselves. We got so much junk on the inside about what we think about ourselves. Things like insecurity, who am I? Fear and inadequacy. I don't. I can't. We compare ourselves to everybody else. A lot of reluctance. Like, well, I don't know. I. I don't think it's. Po- I can't. A lot of doubt. Fear of criticism. Fear of looking like a fool. Man, if there's anybody that can talk to you about this, it's me. I know all about those things. I know about insecurity. I know about. I mean, I, I, I never was picked to be on any team ever. <laughs> I didn't play. I warmed the bench any team I ever got on. I was, I was kind of an awkward little peculiar kid that didn't really fit in. I know that you can easily see that part of the story. But I, I, I didn't fit in very well, and I, I tried. I remember being scared to death to talk in front of people. I know you can't see that today either. My first job interview to be a pastor they had this test where I had to speak in front of a bunch of students. I did so bad. I did this whole message in like seven minutes. I didn't even breathe one time. I just, <laughs> and sat down, and they walked me to the door and says, you know what, don't bother. I mean, and they said to me and my wife, you probably should do something else. It was that bad. I was filled with insecurity about that. It took me years to get over it. In fact, when I started Heartland Church, the first five years of this church, I loved every part of the job. I loved all I loved the people, I loved all of you, I loved everything, except I hated the standing up in front of people part. I'm the pastor. <laughs> I hated it. I would go like, I, you don't believe me now, but you asked my wife about the Saturday night meltdowns at the Shesky house. I got nothing, I got nothing. <laughs> I'd be back in the back, throwing up in some room, you know, just, you know. And, and, and I'm not praying any great things for you or for the church or greater things. I'm just saying, oh God, just get me through this one message, you know. And some of you guys were there. Some of you, I'm looking at you. You were there, and you stayed, and you kept coming back. I just want to say, I love you. I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for coming back. I can talk to you all day about insecurities and fears and reluctance. But look what God has done. But look what God has done. I can also tell you what he's done beyond, beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 2, a great verse that helped me. I hope it helps you. God chose you. He chose you. That means there's a bunch of people and he picked you. He picked me. I mean, think about it. God wanted a church in Indianapolis called Heartland Church, and he picked a kid from the West Indies. Not West Indy, the West Indies. Like the Caribbean man. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, like, it doesn't fit. It doesn't compute. It makes no sense. God's got a great sense of humor. Why would he do that? I'm here. And God picked you. And he says this about you. He says, you are a chosen people. I mean, he chose you. He picked you. You're you're royal. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And he called you that you could declare the greatness of God and the praises of God to people who are stuck in darkness. And talk about his wonderful light. God gave you that privilege, but most of us are just blind. 
I mean, it's not just that we're fearful. We're just blind to what God could do through us. Do you know how blind we are? There's a verse in 1 Timothy chapter 6 where Paul writes to his young protege, Timothy, and he says, hey, Timothy, teach this to all the rich people. Look what he says. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud or trust in their money, to which all of you go, well, I'm glad he's not talking to me. <laughs> oh, no. Listen, he is talking to us. If you live in this part of the world, this community, you're, you're in the top 4 to 5% of wage earners in the whole world. Now, Darren, I don't feel rich. Thank you for telling me that. I'm not rich. I don't feel it. Well, of course not. Nobody feels rich that spends all of the money that they have. We don't feel rich that way. We just, you know, we spend more or spend all of it. We're not rich. But, but you, you are the people he was talking to, you and to me, the, the rich. And he says, tell those who are rich in this world not to be proud or trust in their money, but tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. And you say, Darren, thank you for that, but I don't feel rich. Listen, you are rich. I mean, listen, if you were to go with me, let's go to Sierra Leone today and visit our partners who are doing exceptional work at the heart of that Ebola crisis, and we're supporting that. We sent $10,000 already this month. We're going to do a whole lot more. But let's go visit our partners there and, and, and meet some of the people that I know. Let's sit down in some of those villages where we've put wells in over the years, and let's just talk to some of the people who live there, and you tell them about your financial problems. <laughs> and about three sentences in, you'd be like, okay, I'm an idiot. I have nothing to say. I have nothing to talk about because, you know, what we make in a month, I mean, what they could, good grief, okay? So we're rich, and we just got to learn how to be good Rich people, because when, you're, when you have God's view, when you get out of the box, you realize, well, everything I have, God gave me. I'm supposed to be a good manager, and, and there's, there's no guilt here, because managers never feel guilty. They're just supposed to be responsible. So all, all God wants for us is to be responsible, not to feel guilty, and just to say, okay, God, make me good at what you've entrusted me in. And that's the goal of God, to make you a good and responsible and grateful steward of everything that he's given you. You see, we're stuck in our box. I want you to do something, if you have the time, go to a website called philanthropy.com and put in the zip code for this community. Do you realize that in all of greater Indianapolis, do you know the county that gives the least to charity of all of the nine counties in Indianapolis? Which one do you think it is? Hamilton, Hamilton County. Oh my. Because you know why rich people, the richer you get, the less you give. And so that should not be. That should not be. That should never be. God wants to, see, God wants to do something great to us, but we're blind to it. And number two, we're, we're not even aware of the opportunity we could be, how much we could be a blessing to the world. So we have a wrong view of self. Let me give you the second one, a wrong view of other people, because people annoy us. And people bug us. And, you know, people are, are not persons to be loved. They're problems to be avoided, you know? Like a traffic jam. Oh, my. We don't want to be in that. You know, here's the thing about that. I mean, some of you, God could do great things through you, and you'd say, well, I know he could. It's just for all these idiots. I would love to do great things for God. But you know what? There's a whole bunch of us that are looking not at people who need the love of God. They're just, even by, label them by group, they're just a problem to be avoided. And see here, people can either annoy you or they can entertain you. It's one or the other. It's a choice, you know? It's, it's the view that you have. It's how you choose to view people. You've got to get a God's view of people. 
when I came here and there wasn't a church and we didn't have all of this or none of you were here, and I just didn't have much to do other than just driving the car and I would pray and ask God to show me how to bless people. And I'd get in that traffic and I'd, get, I'd stop at lights and I'd sit in traffic jams as I drove up, up and down the streets of our community, I'd start praying for the people in the cars around me. Because you know what, it is just traffic or it's people that God loves. And I started imagining, I didn't know them, but I was imagining their situation, imagining what they might be going through. Like I knew that there's 2,000 divorces that were happening every year in our community. I'm thinking, well, maybe this guy, I don't know. God, I pray, and I would pray for people going through divorce, and I'd pray for the little kids whose hearts are being ripped out because mom and dad are fighting. And I would pray for addictions and pray for people who were oppressed and people who were in, in great grief and loss and people who were just stuck. And I would just, and you know, God would give me this vision. I don't know these people yet, but some of these are the people I'm gonna pastor someday. And then over the months, God would send those people into the church and I would meet them and I'd, I didn't know, I'd hear their stories and I'd say, oh my gosh, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you. I'm so glad you're here. And there would be a moment of supernatural connection in that person's heart because it was so real. I had been praying for them. God just was introducing me to them later. See, imagine what could happen when you start to see people. I mean, there was a guy who came in here one time, and he told me up front, he says, well, I know you're going to judge me and kick me out anyway when you find out what's wrong with my life, so here it is. And he just told me everything that was going on in his life, and I listened to him, and when he was done, I put my hand on his shoulder, and he says, I've been praying for you. I'm so glad you're here. You could be such a benefit to minister to so many people in addiction because of what you just told me. I'm so glad you're here. And he'll never forget that, and it became the beginning of a great friendship. And it's one of our elders in our church today. I want to tell you, you got to get a different view of people than what you have. God has great things for you. In fact, Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he looked at, he looked at them differently. He saw them with the eyes of compassion, not judgment. He didn't label them. He didn't point out what was wrong with their lives or, or say, here's where you're not measuring up. He, he saw them with compassion because he saw how harassed and helpless they were like sheep without a shepherd. And that's how we have to see people. Because some of you have forgotten what people are going through. You don't realize that five minutes from this location, I can take you to a place where women are being trafficked every single day. I can take you to places in this city where whole groups of people are being marginalized and oppressed. That 70%, 77% of IPS school students are going to be hungry at Christmas is unacceptable. To me. I hope it's unacceptable to you too. And you got to remember that. Like, this is why I give and this is why I serve and this is why it's important. It's because it's people that God loves and He cares about. And I got to do something. And some of you haven't seen that for a very long time. That's why you've got to quit thinking about your problems and your mess and how insecure you are and just go serve some people and love on people. And God will change you through that. He'll give you a new heart, and he'll give you confidence, and he'll give you joy when you see yourself. I mean, you'll be living for something bigger than you. So you got to see people differently. Once you see people through God's eyes, when you serve, when you give, when you go on missions trips, you never go back in the box again. And then the, then the last thing that's really probably the big problem is we have a wrong view of God. We forget that we serve a miracle working exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or thank God. We, we don't, we, we've forgotten that. We've stopped dreaming God-sized dreams or we don't have any hope beyond what we can just see or do in our own power. You know what the biggest tension of the bucket list is? Is putting things on there that you're sure, well, that could never happen. 
That's the whole tension, right? Like, well, I'd write that, but there's no way that to take place. Like some things on my bucket list, like I want to say, well, if I worked hard enough, like maybe I could learn Spanish. But I have no idea how to train up 500 leaders. I don't know, but I put it on there because I want to have some things on my bucket list that unless God shows up and does something, they're just doomed to fail. And you need that too. There's stuff that you can do, and then there's got to be some things that you say, well, God, what could you do? you got to start praying for some stuff. You know, in the Bible it says that, that Jesus says, ask anything in my name, and I'll do it. And a lot of us tried that, and it didn't work, because you thought that in my name meant you just said in Jesus' name at the end. I want to clear that up right now. This isn't about just getting God on your side. Prayer changes you. And when you, when you start seeing it this way, God, I'm praying for something that you would be proud to put your name on. That's what that verse means. You start aligning, God, I want to dream some big things that I know I can't do, but you'd be so proud to put your name on them. And God says, you go right ahead and ask me. I will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think because it's for the Father's glory. Oh, I'm preaching so much better than you're responding today. This is so good. I'm telling you. Listen, I want you to write this thing down. Write this verse down. Put it on your, your, your refrigerator. Put it on your mirror. Put it on your phone. Look at it every day. Look what Jeremiah said when he thought about, I mean, how big is your God? How great is he? Wow, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and you made the earth by your great power, so nothing is too hard for you. What is too hard for God? When you start praying prayers that are bigger than you and you start dreaming things that are bigger than you, you, you you'll pray differently. You start depending on God. You start, you start going, oh, God, if you don't show up, God, you, God, if you don't, and it makes you dependent, and it's, they're faith-filled prayers, and life is no longer boring. You want to have an exceptional, abundant life that is exciting and filled with adventure, commit yourself to things that are bigger than what you can do unless God can show up. I mean, it is not boring, I promise you. God is with me, right? And he can do everything. There's nothing too hard for him, so what can't be done? But we don't think like that. We are stuck in the box. This is what I want for you over these next few weeks. I want to help you break out of the box and think differently. I want us to have some impossible dreams together. I want us to think about things that are uncomfortable and things that we would say, well, I don't even know if we can do that. Why would we set such a lofty goal? I don't know, but, but, but let's, let's dream for the glory of God to do some things that would really change our city and change the world. And we would say, well, how's that gonna happen? I said, I don't know. And God would say, exactly. Now watch me. Watch me show up. Here's the view we're supposed to have, and it was in that scripture we read at the beginning. Will you look at it with me again? Jesus said, very truly, I tell you. This is John chapter 14, verse 12. Very truly, I tell you. Anytime you read that in the Bible, Jesus is going like, no, seriously. Because <laughs> he's about to drop something that there's, we, we will not believe at first go, first go. Like, we'll resist it. We'll say, yeah, I read that, but I'm not really sure. So he's going, no, seriously. I mean, I'm serious. Like, listen, very truly I tell you, whoever has, notice this. What word is that? Faith in me will do the works I have been doing and greater things than these. I wish that was on the same slide together because I want you to see the connection between anyone who has faith in me will do the greater works. I mean, those two go together. Do you see the connection? Anyone who has faith in me will do greater works. 
Remember what faith is? I mean, do some of you even remember what faith is? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What are you hoping for? Some of you have stopped hoping for anything. You've just kind of settled for, this is as good as it's going to be. And you've given up on your hope and you've given up on your dreams. Or maybe you say, well, I'm too old. I should have done it when I was younger. I've missed. I've made too many mistakes. I've, I've lost my opportunity. And in fact, the only thing you hope for is that you have a list of things you know are going to go wrong. But what are you hoping for? I want to raise up something today. I want to stir something up in you today. I want some childhood faith to come alive. I want some dry bones that didn't have any flesh on them just to come alive today. I want some of you to have that dream again that you would say, God, give me 15 more years. I want to see it before I die. I want to stir you up to break out of the box to greater things, but it says it requires faith. Why? Well, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And you got to have faith if God's going to be involved. Jesus said, look at it again. Anyone who has faith in me will do the works I've been doing and greater things. I am calling Heartland Church to some greater things. I'm calling you to go beyond, beyond what we've done before. I'm asking you to have some faith-filled dreams and to say, God, not what I can do, but what do you want to do through me? What can your power do? I want you to believe for greater things. I want you to pray for greater things. I want you to expect greater things. I want us to be a greater things kind of a church. And very truly, I tell you, no, seriously, I tell you this. No, seriously, listen, I'm serious. If you just want a church that's all calm and doesn't push you or doesn't stretch your faith or you don't want to grow, you just want to, like, don't get me, don't get, don't get all excited, Darren. Calm down. I just want a seat I can sit in and hear a good message. This is not the church for you, okay? You're not going to like this church. But if you're looking for a church that, that, that calls you to life adventure, that calls you to live by faith and not by sight, that where you would actually grow, where you actually might get a little bit in that godly state of discontent and get uncomfortable and say, oh, God, you, you want us to do what? And God says, I'm right there with you. Walk with me by faith. If that's the kind of church you want. See, I want us to do some greater things. I want, I want to see, see us get involved in more need. The world is getting so dark, I don't have to tell you that. There's going to be a greater need for compassion. There's going to be a greater need for the people of God to come to the, to, to the rescue in times of crisis. It's not going to get less. I'm calling us to some greater things. I want, to, want us to see marriages restored and recovered. I want to see students get off of drugs and go on missions trips. I want to see more churches opened and more ministry happen and more generosity poured out on our community. I want to see more warm food and clean water given to people in Jesus' name. Why? Because the world has Jesus in a box. They think this is what Christians are about. We're going to break that box together. Jesus said, you're going to know me Oh, I'm getting ready. You guys can hold that. Listen, it's coming. Get ready to clap for this. Jesus said this. Jesus, listen, I'm so excited too. I can't wait. Listen, Jesus said, Jesus said this. It, 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 they're going to know me when they see the way you love. And for too long, we're just a big yapping mouth. And I want us to stop talking, get in there with our hands and feet and start doing some generosity. And show the love of Jesus. I want to remind you again, this is why we do what we do. This is why we're here. God didn't, call, didn't need another church, but he needed, you know, a group of people that would say, we're here to make a difference. God could use us together to touch the lives of people. We can start doing greater things today. I mean, it's, it's even in little things. Pick up a bunch of those boxes on your way out today. 
Take one for every member of your family and take some, some of you take it to your office and like that principal, that was amazing, took 105 boxes and distributed it in his school. You could take a bunch back to your company. Make us run out, you know? And you don't have to bring it all back here and you're smart, you can read the instructions, you know what to do with it, but we could give 44 tons of food into our community if we ran out all those boxes and sent them out. Into our community at Christmas. The second step, just start praying, God, what do you want me to do in this big Christmas offering? You know, we're going to do those 10 Christmas services, and we're going to give the offering of every service. We're going to give it into our community and with our partners around the world. There's no overhead. There's no, there's no uh, administrative costs. There's no little fees. 100% we're going to give it all away. I'm not asking you to even give to this church. I'm asking you to give through this church so we can touch the needs of some of the poorest and darkest places in our city and around the world. We went to these partners that are doing exceptional things. You can pull up the PDF of, of our partners on the website. You might have got a letter in the mail already. They'll, there's a, PD, there's a, a form at the, at the desk out front. And you can see these people who we just want to come to them. They're not even asking. And we say, we want to bless you and help you do the work that you're doing. You're exceptional. How can we, how can we pour out generosity upon you? Because we're dreaming for greater things. I mean, last year, what we gave blew people away in our community. And we're going to go even greater than what we did this year. And if you take this journey with me, you're going to see greater things in your own life. And here's why I know I can say this. If you just do what you think you can do, you won't see God. Because if you remember, the scripture says, greater things you'll do when you have faith in me. It's going to require faith. If you have faith, you'll do greater things. So how will that happen? Well, if you have faith, that verse says, you can ask anything in my name. I'm going to the Father. You may ask anything in my name and I will do it. I want you to dream of a goal that would have to involve God. I want you to dream of doing a great thing for God at the end of this year that would require you to have faith beyond your capacity. That you would say, God, this is what I'd love to do for you. Because, you know what, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you don't need God. You just do, you know, your pro and con list. <laughs> but without faith, it's impossible to please God. I want you to have some God-sized goals. And Jesus said this. He says, if you'll have a goal like that, look what he says. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And his disciple says, come on. We, what? And he said, no, seriously, I'm serious. Verse 7. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, like you have my heart for, 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 for the world, and you want to do something that, that I would be proud to put my name on, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Man, that's so hard to believe, really? He goes, again, seriously, I'm telling the truth. Verse 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you, and I know what you're like. <laughs> I know what's going on in your life, and I chose you anyway. I saw your potential. I appointed you that you would go and bear much fruit for my Father's glory. So ask whatever you want in my name, and the Father will give it to you. What? Seriously? And Jesus says one more time in verse 23, seriously, very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Get out of the box. Jesus knew how hard his disciples, the hard time his disciples would have with this. They were all like, what? Because you don't believe it either. And he says, if you'll have a dream for my kingdom, ask what you want in my name. Ask for something that's beyond what, what, what's just about your needs. Ask for something beyond your life that I'd be proud to put my name on. 
And he goes on to say, I know you're not used to exercising your faith. I know you're not used to asking like this. Look what he says. Until now, you, you've been afraid. You don't even want to get your hopes up. You've not even asked anything in my name, but ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. I want you to see God and I want you to see him do greater things. And it's going to take faith to get out of the box. You say, well, Darren, I want to do this. How do I get more faith, okay? I want to tell you how you do that. I'm going to close with this, and then I'm all going to be done. Number one, faith begins in the presence of God. It is God-inspired, and it begins in the presence of God. I'm going to ask Joel Lopez to come out and help me and just give him a great hand. This is Joel Lopez, our worship producer. We love him. I want you to play some of the most beautiful worship music you've ever played in your whole life, okay? And do a good job, because the whole message depends on it right now, all right? <laughs> Go ahead, just play some, play, just start playing. It's amazing, just a few chords, a few notes played to the glory of God, and the whole room starts to shift. And your mind starts to think about how great God is, and how good he is, how awesome he is. Just stop for a second. And then it's just me talking. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it just goes right back, and there's nothing. But all of a sudden, when he plays, the Spirit of God comes. I mean, the worship, when the worship of God invites the presence of God. And when we start to turn our eyes towards him, and we turn off the world, we put some music on, and we create a space for God to come. You know, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strange and dim in the light. I can't even sing that good. You just feel the presence of God as we start to worship him. There is no one like. singing that since 4 a.m. this morning. I woke up thanking God for how good he is and how awesome he is. And it's amazing how we begin to worship him. The presence of God just comes in and everything else kind of goes to the side. We, we start to know that there's a God who loves us and he cares for us and he's going to inspire you to some greater prayers. The worship of God brings his presence, and in God's presence, that's where faith begins. See, the problem is, is that no matter how good this is, you can't take Joel home with you. <laughs> you know, so you're going to get in your car, and you're going to get out, I mean, you're not 10 feet into your car, and you're going to get in that big line of traffic going up, and you're like, oh, seriously, come on, move, I got to get home, and you know, and all of a sudden, somebody, you know, the, the guy, the police officer lets the other line out, and you're like, what, come on, and you're out. You think I don't know? <laughs> I know. And you're all frustrated and you're upset, and you know what? The presence of God's just gone. And I mean, they're in you till next week. You know, you, we can't make you worship the Lord. I can't make God's presence come in your life. In fact, that's not even my goal. My goal is just to inspire you that you would want to worship God seven days a week, all week long.
you know, don't just come in here, you know, and, and you know, and, um, and just, you know, worship God. Like, okay, we had 15 minutes. It was awesome. The music was great. No, go out. I mean, you need it. You need to get in your car before you get in the traffic out there and just start, you know, there is no one like our God. And just play that in your car. Put some worship music on. God, you're so good. There's no one like you. I worship you, almighty God. There's none like you. And you carry that presence of worshiping of God through with your whole day. You get up tomorrow morning, first thing you do, you put some worship music on and just say, there is no one like our God. Get his view on your whole day. Go through your week and, and there's this little song in your heart that's giving you power and giving you strength. You come home Monday afternoon, you wanna kill everything that breathes and you just put some worship music back on in your home. There is no one like our God. You can't just wait till Sunday. You got to walk with the worship of God in your heart. You carry the presence of God with you. You're going to start seeing life differently. You'll see people in traffic differently. You'll, see, you'll start praying huge prayers because you know God is with you and nothing's too hard for the Lord. And I'm, I'm with him and he's with me. So what's too hard? You'll start praying for that child to come back to Christ this Christmas. You'll just believe that. And you'll start thanking him for it. God, there's nobody like you, but, but you can do. You'll praise him for stuff in advance because you're walking in faith because you feel the presence of God right there with you. That's what I want for you so bad because faith begins in the presence of God. Here's the second thing I know is that faith has to move you from inspiration, just feeling it, to actually doing something. It's got to move from inspiration to participation. So God moves on your heart and he starts giving you some dreams. Well, do something about it. Prepare. Prepare. Like, like every time God wanted to do a miracle, there's always preparation involved. He says, you want to feed some people? All right, go sit down the people, organize them into groups of 50 and have them sit down. Why? We don't have any food. Why would we do that? If you prepare for the miracle, I'll do the miracle. See, that's the principle. You've got you to gotta prepare for it. I don't know how we're going to come up with 44 tons of food. I don't know where $250,000 is going to come. I have no idea. It's beyond, beyond. But you know what we do? We prepare. It's like, hey, go print up all the boxes that we need. Get them ready. Have them here. And let's go to our partners and let's tell them, you know, tell, let, let them tell us what do they need and like tally it all up. Let's prepare. And then now let's ask God to involve us and use us. And now let's see what he can do. What can God do through you when you participate? Because faith requires something beyond inspiration that'll move you to participation. You know, the book of James says, you have not because you don't ask God. And some of you don't ask God because you're never in his presence. Or maybe you haven't been in God's presence for a really, really long time. Maybe you got surprised by God today. You just came because somebody asked you or somebody dragged you, somebody promised you'd meet somebody cute, so you came. You know, but God had a reason for you to be here. He wants to stir up some childhood faith in you again and bring you back to him. He knows everything that you've done. He's not mad at you. He brought you here today to tell you that he loves you. He wants to use your life. He wants to forgive all of your sin. He wants to make you a new person. And he's got a great life planned for you. We're here to help you find that great life in Jesus Christ. And I'm here to inspire you to greater things, folks. I'm calling you to greater things. Live an exceptional life. just bow your heads for just a minute. Let's just pray together. God, I pray that you do a supernatural deposit of faith 
in this moment of worship, let faith arise in our souls, Lord. We've settled for the box for too long. Some of you have been stuck in insecurity and stuck in fear and inadequacy and you compare yourself to everybody and you don't believe, you don't think you had the background or the education or the resources. And I want to sing to you this morning, there is no one like our God and he picked you. Get your eyes off yourself and onto the worst. Let's just forget about the whole world for a minute. Just worship our God. There's no one like you. And if you're here today and you're far from God and you just, you know I'm talking to you, you're surprised by the presence of God here this morning. Just humbly confess, God, I need you. I'm sorry for living my life without you, for sinning against you. I've not even kept my own standards, let alone yours. You say, that's right, that's me. But God, I give you my life today. Say, yes, God. I want to be a new person. I want a clean slate. I want to be washed clean. And I want to follow you. I want to turn away from my self-life and my life is self, and I want to live for you now. Use me. I don't even understand it all, but I feel you here today, and I say yes to you. Holy Spirit, touch every person. Let them know your presence. For the rest of us, Lord, I pray that we would know you in power. We'd have faith for great things. In fact, just say it. Lord, forgive me for my unbelief. Stretch my faith. I invite you. I open my heart to you, and I hold nothing back. Yes, God, that's right. Yeah.